This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. I don't have to convince any one of those eight defensive coaches how effed up I am. These players, they want to defend MetLife Stadium for you guys. Here's your host, Joe Caparosa. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. We have made it to the bye week. So today I'm going to go through a bunch of questions. You guys tweet it over. We'll go about 25 minutes or so. Cover a wide range of topics on our 0-9, close call 0-9, New York Jets. As a reminder, this podcast is available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Please subscribe. Please rate. Please review. And if you have not yet, check out our subscription podcast, Badlands, ad-free Hosted by myself and Connor Rogers, it's available on Patreon at patreon.com, Badlands, T-O-J, $3 a month, you get an ad-free podcast every week, you get written NFL draft content from Connor Rogers, including an article this week breaking down the Jets' options if they don't pick first overall, you get a Sunday six-pack of Jets commentary from me every Sunday, and when we get into the offseason, you will get much more. Uh, in terms of articles and videos and podcasts. So sign up now at patreon.com, Badlands, T-O-J. All right, let's jump into your questions here. Uh, again, appreciate everyone tweeting them over to at Caparoso. First question from Boom Bear Bill. At first glance, the O-line looked a lot more coordinated this past week versus New England. If you saw that too, what do you attribute this to? I did respond to this on Twitter as well. I think they did play well, and New England struggled to get a pass rush going until the final drive. I do think it's important to caveat, and it's easy to forget this because it's New England. New England has a terrible defense this year, like 31st in DVOA, terrible defense, and they were banged up in that game. No Stephon Gilmore banged up in the front seven, so... They did play well, but they played well against a very bad defensive front and a very bad defense. The task will be much harder against the Chargers pass rush and then against the Dolphins defense that has been scoring like three touchdowns a week the past few weeks. So those are the next two on the schedule. So, look, encouraging that you can hold the fort when Mekhi Becton leaves early. Without a doubt, he's the best player on the unit. But New England is pretty damn bad, I think, as we all saw, especially on the defensive side of the football. So I wouldn't get too, too excited. Uh, Let's see how they hold up against the Chargers and against the Dolphins. Next question from Michael Christopher. If we secure a top two pick, would you take less to trade Sam out of the AFC, or would it not matter? Also, do you view wide receiver as a premium position now since good ones never hit free agency? Good question. I I think I really don't care if Sam ends up in the AFC, uh, you know, as long as it's not the AFC East, which won't happen. uh, You know, Buffalo, Miami are set at quarterback. The Jets would never trade him to New England. Um, So he's not going to be in the AFC East. I don't really mind if he ends up somewhere else in the AFC. I mean, you you play those teams, you know, not that frequently. Uh, You take the best offer that you can get outside of your division. Um, with receiver, look, it's a good question. I think the league is becoming more offensive dominant. It's becoming more pass game dominant. And because of that, having versatile playmaking receivers is that much more important. It's certainly more important than running back. I wouldn't say it's more important than offensive line. 
But it is hard to find these guys, and that's why we're all so excited about Denzel Mims because he does really look the part as a legitimate outside starting receiver so far. You know, free agency will be interesting this year. I, I tried never to get my hopes up about some of these names, but Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, Chris Godwin, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, you got to hope one or two of those guys break through, and they may not, but if they do, you want to be really aggressive in trying to put another big target opposite of Mims. Uh, you probably have Crowder back in the slot for one more year next year, and then you see if you could also add some depth further in the draft. But it's going to be so important that the Jets do what they can to surround their new quarterback, who will probably be Trevor Lawrence, with the necessary weapons on the outside. One of the mistakes the Jets made in, in 2018 is that they had traded up to number three. They knew they were getting a quarterback in February, and they didn't go all out to get Allen Robinson in free agency, which they should have done. They should have overpaid. They should have found a way to get him here to make Sam's life that much easier in year one, and they missed the boat on that. So maybe they'll get it right this time around if he does leave Chicago. Uh, next question from Jim D. Why do you think Joe Douglas didn't take a shot on a recently recently released players like Dante Pettis, Vic Beasley, or Tarek McKinley? Wide receiver and edge are certain areas of weakness on the roster. I don't think the Jets want to win any more games this year uh, is sort of the short answer. You know, the longer answer is I, I don't know if any of these guys get them too excited. I, I think they'd rather give more playing time down the stretch at edge to Zaniga and see what they have with him. They're, that's one of their draft picks. They probably want to see more of Bryce Huff. Like those two guys should be playing a ton right now. And I hope they play more down the stretch. And then at receiver, I don't think they want to take away any prospective targets uh, from Mims. Um, you know, I, I think they want to get him as much action as they can down the stretch. And maybe they'll get Herndon back in the mix at some point. But I don't think any of these guys jump off the page as any real different makers in the short or the long term. Uh, next question from Sean Stalker. Did Gase's terrible coaching actually save the team from giving a huge second contract to a QB who flashes at times but whose ceiling is probably just a good starter because of his penchant to make a few bad decisions every game? It's an interesting question. We're not going to know the answer to it for a few years. You know, if Sam goes and becomes Ryan Tannehill somewhere else, then we're going to say, hey, it would have been nice to have a starter who's producing the way Tannehill is starting. Uh, or if he bounces around the league as a backup and, you know, never really gets it going, you know, maybe he's not – front and center on, you know, Gase Freedom Watch. But it wasn't just Gase who failed Sam. It was the entire organization. You know, Gase is a horrible coach. That goes without needing to be said anymore. But, you know, McCagnan and Douglas did him no favors. You know, Todd Bowles and Jeremy Bates, while they were better than Gase and Dow Loggins, also really didn't do him any favors outside of maybe helping some of his ball security issues in year one. I, I don't know. I think the book is still out on Sam. I think he's still very young, as everyone always loves to point out, but he is in his third year. And sometimes you kind of reach a certain point where you are what you are. And, you know, he's a guy who has to be, from what I've seen, he has to be in a certain type of situation and a certain type of system to really thrive consistently. He's always going to have some flash plays uh, and things that get you really excited because he's really talented. But for consistency... I think he has to be in a really good situation that plays to his strengths. And I don't know how quickly the Jets would be able to build that for him. And, and they failed to build that for him. Whereas I think someone like Lawrence will be able to thrive in a wider range of situations. Before we answer more of your questions, I want to remind you guys that between the NFL and college football, there's no shortage of games to watch with thousands of lines available on all your favorite sports and events. You can turn your game day into payday with my bookie. 
If you're the type of guy who likes to back the big favorites, consider putting a couple in a parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real moneymaker. And don't forget the underdogs. They have a ton of value. The thing about the NFL is that underdogs are never really dogs on Sunday. Every team truly has a chance to win, and you do too. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets. It's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. Sign up at MyBookie, and when you do, use our promo code OVERTIME to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code OVERTIME for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Stacked UFC cards, prop bets, all the major sports, and more. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at my bookie. All right, more questions here from Oval Jets fan. Depending on what Woody and Chris allow Joe Douglas to do this offseason, do you think the Jets could be a fringe playoff team next year? I do. I do. Me, Mr. Negative. Mr. Negative, turn on the Jets. Do think the Jets can turn it around that quickly. I think Jet fans have been brainwashed to believe rebuilds and turnarounds take half a decade. They do not need to. Miami was 0-7 last year. They are now probably going to be a playoff team this year. There are seven teams who make the playoffs in each conference, so an 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 and seven team is going to make it every year. If the Jets hire a competent coach, draft Trevor Lawrence, and he's good as a rookie with the help of Mekhi Becton and Denzel Mims and a couple other additions, they have a last-place schedule. It's not crazy. Would I bet on them today to definitely do it? No. But is it out of the question? Absolutely not. I have seen... In my life, the Jets go from 1-15 to 9-7 to 12-4 in an AFC championship game over a two-year stretch. So this turnaround does not have to be that long. It's about the quarterback, and it's about the coach. Right now, the Jets are the worst in the NFL at coach and among the worst in the NFL at quarterback, unfortunately. They could change that pretty quickly next year if they don't mess things up. They could mess things up, of course, but we'll see. Next question... From Jared, what would you put the odds that that Gase is back next season? There's been some Twitter chatter about it, and since they haven't canned him yet, it's kind of stressing me out. I get being stressed about it, and I get the confusion about not being done yet. I think once they passed a certain threshold this year, they figured that it's a foregone conclusion, so let's let's ride out this tank and make sure we get the first overall pick. I never say never but I would say there's a less than 1% chance of him coming back. My understanding, and I'm certainly not a source guy at all, and I'm not reporting anything, but we all hear things if you follow the team enough that it's, and this is not new news to anyone, it's understood to be a foregone conclusion that he is gone and the Jets are already doing their diligence on new head coaching candidates. So I'm not worried about it. Things could change. They have a weird ownership situation. It's a weird franchise, but I think you could rest easy that Gase won't be here next year. Next question from Evan Bennett with them cutting Mike White and then resigning him to the practice squad. Do you think we see James Morgan make a start at some point this season? I mean, why not, right? I mean, you drafted him to be a long-term backup. We see rookie quarterbacks come in and do some things. I mean, look at uh, Jake Luton last week. He had like 300 yards and a couple touchdowns in Jacksonville, almost beat Houston. Even Garrett Gilbert looked half decent. Um, you know, at a certain point, once we get into December, like I just – why are we playing Flacco? If they're 0-13 or 0-14, if Sam gets banged up again, like, why not give Morgan a start? Even if Sam doesn't get banged up again and you're 0-14 or 0-15, 
doesn't hurt to get some tape on Morgan. I wouldn't write it off as out of the out of the realm of possibility, especially in week 17. Um, question from Christian Lynch: If you could take anyone from the Jets 2010-2011 team, what a fun team! Good days, good days. Outside of Revis, and put them on the 2021 team, who would it be? Uh, I put Nick Mangold on it. You know, you you really make the center position all pro to go with a potential all pro and left tackle. That's making life nice and easy for Trevor Lawrence. So I go with Mangold. No offense to David Harris, but we don't need a, an inside linebacker at this point. You know, with Brick, you already got Mackay. So I go Mangold uh, if Revis is off the table. Next question from Rich Varega. What needs to happen for the 2020 draft class to be considered a win? If Mackay Becton is a very good starting left tackle and Denzel Mims is a good starting receiver – that might be enough. Now, obviously, you want to get a little more than that. You don't want a two-player draft. But those are hard positions to find, especially for this team. So, you know, I, I think if they could do that and then maybe you get it, you know, Ashton Davis is a pretty good safety and uh, LaMichael Pirine and, and Braden Mann are, you know, contributors in their own way. Like, that's the makings of a good class and a much better class than what they've been doing recently. And obviously, Becton staying healthy and actually being like a legitimate all-pro – uh, is sort of the key thing uh, on that overall. I think we're all really excited with good cause for ben, Mims and Becton, and they're going to make or break you know, what we think about this class. Um, next question from Jesse DeLapez. Why isn't Jim Caldwell mentioned among head coach candidates? He's got the experience. I think he spent some time in Baltimore. He might have crossed paths with Douglas. Caldwell's name was kicked around a little bit in the last process. He certainly would have been a better hire than Gase. He certainly did a better job in Detroit than Matt Patricia's doing. You know, he's been out of it for a few years now and is a little older. Uh, so I don't know if he's going to bring the same excitement that some other hires would. I would not be surprised if his name was floated around again, or if he's someone that's talked about potentially joining the Jets staff as a quarterback coach, or maybe even an offensive coordinator. So, you know, I think would I say he's one of the three or four most likely people to be the Jets head coach? Uh, no. Do I think he could be someone who ends up involved in their staff? Potentially. I think we'll see how that shakes out. Um, next question from Corey Pulaski. Anyway, Sam could win his job back these next seven games with the wide receiver trio back and healthy. Uh, nothing's impossible, but I'd say no. Uh, I don't even know if Sam is really 100% healthy. I think he will come back and try to play, but I think he's clearly going to be a little banged up. I think the Jets have a pretty tough final seven games. Um you know, dealing with Seattle, dealing with the Rams, uh, dealing with a Browns team that, despite their shortcomings, has a good defense. Uh, having to fly across the country to play a Chargers team who's going to put up a lot of points. I think Sam could play better down the stretch and increase his trade value. Is there enough time left with seven games to prevent the Jets from drafting Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields? Probably not, honestly. You know, I, I think Sam's had 32 starts at this point. Uh, it's going to be hard for the next seven to really outweigh the other 32. Next question, if the Jets end up with picks two or picks three, what do they do? What roster spot do you fill with Seattle's pick? I think if they end up with two, they're taking fields. Uh, Connor Rogers actually wrote about this at length on, on Badlands today. With three, I actually still wouldn't be surprised if they took Zach Wilson or Trey Lance. I think obviously a trade down is a little more on the table then, uh, but I don't see the Jets dropping to three. They, they would have to win two games, which I, I just don't think they're going to do. Um, with Seattle's pick, I think you're going to see a receiver commonly mocked to the Jets. I think you'll probably also commonly see an edge rusher or a corner. 
Um, it's early to say how the board's going to break, but those three positions I would keep an eye on in particular. Next question from Owen Sullivan. In my view, this outcome for the season is far better than another 5-11 and season in which Gase convinces the ownership that he deserves to stick around and we draft a defender with the number 7 pick. Agree or disagree? Agree. I 100% agree. We've had enough middling 5-11 and seasons and getting overexcited about crappy 7-9 and seasons. This is actually, in a weird way, one of the more entertaining Jet seasons because we're all unified and rooting for them to lose because Gase is terrible and the Jets deserve to suffer a bit for deciding to bring him back. And hopefully the short-term pain is going to lead to a generational quarterback being here in Trevor Lawrence. They have a whole bunch of draft picks. They have a GM most of us feel pretty good about, and they're going to get a chance to hire a new coach. So, yes, I'll take the 0-16 over the 5-11 and any day of the week this year. Next question from MJBMD. When, if ever, have the Jets had two first-round picks? You must be a young pup because the Jets had four first-round picks. Back in 2000, after they uh, traded away, God, I'm trying to remember the specifics. It was part of the Keyshawn Johnson trade and part of the Bill Belichick going to New England. But the Jets had four first-round picks. Uh, I believe it was in 2000, and they took John Abraham, last good edge rusher they had, Sean Ellis, all-time great uh, defensive end for them, uh, Chad Pennington, one of our favorites, and Anthony Becht, good tight end, good media guy. Um, and they also got Lavernius Coles later in that draft class. So that, that turned out to really be um, a key class in kind of laying the groundwork for the Herm years uh, where they were in the playoffs and made a deep run in, into that. Well, they, they made the playoffs in 2002 and won a game. They made it in 2004 and really should have got to the AFC championship game. And that class with the four first rounders uh, was really the groundwork for it. They also had two first rounders. The Vernon Golston year. I think people forget they traded back in to get Dustin Keller at the back half of the first round. So that was 2008, I believe. They took uh, Golston and Keller in the first round. Um, 2004, they had two first round picks. Um, I'm trying to remember how they acquired the second pick, but they had two first round picks and packaged them to trade up and draft Wayne Robinson. So the Jets overdrafting interior defensive lineman has been going on a long, long time. Um, and. Uh, Oh, and most recently, I'm sure I still might be forgetting some other ones, but 2013, they had uh, two first-round picks and took Sheldon Richardson and D. Milner, John Edzik's first draft. Who could forget? So it's not that uncommon of an occurrence for the Jets. Now, having two ones this year and two ones next year and having two threes this year and probably getting more picks when they trade Sam, yeah, it'll probably be the deepest haul of picks they've had in a really long time. So that's exciting. Uh, that was a fun little trip down memory lane. Uh, listen, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you for tweeting the, the questions in. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode on this feed. Uh, we'll continue to have our episodes in the Badlands feed at patreon.com slash Badlands TOJ. And uh, enjoy your Jets bye week. We don't have to watch them lose this week. <laughs>